Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Hi, I'm Kim Salmon. I'd like to have a quick word about uh, public radio, particularly 3CR. The thing about public radio is that it's more open than the more formatted types of radio to what's going on around it. So when you listen to it, you're more likely to hear a reflection of real life. And 3CR being in the heart of Smith Street, Collingwood, is a particularly good example of what I'm talking about. If you'd like to uh, subscribe... The number is 94198377. You've been listening to the sand. You could never understand. Feel the fortune flowing. A new world of enjoyment is, an, is unlocked to the woman who finds herself a wheel. Cycling is a door that leads to many paths of pleasure. The feeling of active movement, of the power of free locomotion, the thrill of healthy exertion and the bounding of the pulses. And on this misty, moisty Monday morning here in Melbourne, you're tuned to 3CR, the Yarrabug radio show. You're either listening in the tranny, listening in the kitchen on the tranny, podcasting, or streaming from Radical Radio 3CR. Many thanks to Amy Goodman and Democracy Now! Always a fascinating highlight into American politics. That quote this morning was from Lilius Campbell Davison, who was born in the second half of the 19th century and was riding a bike right up until 1934. Well, if we get a bit of time, we'll touch on uh, Lilius later in the show. Today's a show full of all those little things that sometimes we forget about cycling, news, events and happenings in the world and quirky little things that are going on. Good morning, Faith. Good morning, Val. Uh, It is a bike moment morning, isn't it? It is bike moment morning. Heading out of the mist. I did spot a cyclist stop. <laughs> um, it, yeah, it, it was nice to have that, that winter experience. I think it was only two weeks ago we had our first real autumn feel on the bike and yet suddenly we've been plummeted uh, into winter. But my bike moment was actually from the week before. I uh, rode the O'Keefe Rail Trail from Bendigo to Heathcote for the first time. And then we had lunch at Heathcote and rode back. And I have to say, I have maligned this rail trail in the past. I have, I've never done it because I, for some reason, I had the idea <laughs> it was considerably shorter than it is. Yeah. And, and I don't know whether someone had said it wasn't very interesting, but I, I, so I just never really looked into it. And, um, but if you, 
start just outside of Bendigo. Um, so you miss the first bit through the Bendigo suburbs, which is not terrible. It's just that I'd done that part quite yeah. a lot when we were um, with the squeaky wheel. We used to train women to ride up there. Um, but start in the forest just outside Bendigo. Beautiful smelling eucalypt forest. And then you ride through Axdale. Yep. And Lovely little creek flowing through there. Gorgeous, yeah, yeah. gorgeous platypuses, yep. bluestone bridges, nice steep hill coming up out of it. And then uh, quite a bit of change of scenery from there to Heathcote. So often close to the road, but still quite nice in forest down next to, I think it's Lake Epilock. Yep. Um, Got to Heathcote, planning to have lunch at the winery, and it turns out their bistro was being renovated. So found um, there are other wineries, but yep. we, we just went to the pub up the road and saw some chairs and tables and thought, oh, we'll be able to put the bikes in the beer garden. So, And then, yeah, so the beer garden also doubled as a uh, semi-trailer parking spot. Oh, gosh. Gotcha. <laughs> <So, laughs> yeah, it's a... It's an awesome trail, and if yeah. anyone else had been under the uh, delusion that it wasn't, yep. I recommend uh, giving it a go. <laughs> I've got to ask, this came up in topic of conversation, can you rate bicycle trails on a somewhere, like you can rate Uber drivers and stuff like that? Well, no, and maybe that is the – because if you go to railtrails.org, you – you can put in your comments and feedback. So oh, people yeah. will put in, you know, because of the floods of 2013, this bit's been washed out and needs to be repaired. And then someone will go, oh, yeah, we were there recently and it's all really nicely graded. And you, yeah. you can see the improvements made over the years. Yeah. Um, but that's the, yeah, there's no little up, thumbs up or uh, four stars, five stars. No. Because you'd have different priorities. Of course. And if you're along with the kids, it's different from you being on a yeah. – want to beat your Strava best to get that good heat of Shiraz <laughs> before everybody else gets you. I mean, one we did shortly before, because we're just starting to catch up on the ones we've never bothered, was Geelong to Queenscliff. Oh, yeah. Which I know a lot of people love, but we thought was the most boring rail trail yeah. we've ever been on. Yeah. But for some people that would be, because it's bitumen all the way, Yeah. Um, uh, quite – a suitable ride, especially if you had maybe younger kids. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and you're, um, yeah. Um, when we talked about the, um, you know, I hate bringing, oh, no, I'm not I hate bringing up because it was a great study, <laughs> the uh, cycling and car deaths in the Netherlands. Yeah. And I've got to say it's come up in conversation about four times since we had the discussion yeah. about it here. Uh, one of uh, my brothers turned 65 last week. So party on Saturday night full of 65 to 70-year-olds. <laughs> now, I can't remember how the conversation got round to it. Um, I'm pr- I tr- try not to start cycling conversations because I get viewed to be a little bit paranoid, not paranoid, obsessed by something. Anyway, we were talking about something that led me into talk about the uh, the numbers in the Netherlands and a friend of my brother's, uh, and said, oh, well, you know, um, I'm, I'm going to get back on the bike. And I said to him, I said, oh, well, oh, yeah, I bought an electric bike. Then I started to lay down the figures from what was happening yeah. in the Netherlands. <laughs> and his wife turned to him and said, see, I told you so. 
<laughs> it was it was very funny. And then another discussion with somebody who then demeaned. You know, there are numbers to break down. Cycling yeah. kilometres travelled per capita, car trip trips per capita. I mean, these are yeah. the things that when you look at those statistics, you've got to look behind. But interesting to see somebody unpick all that data and try and come to a different idea of what was going on because the whole fact of doubling the commute trip is one of those important parts which probably is you know it is and um you know there is there's those two things going on at once that they're using electric bikes to get people to ride further yep um but also that in the past because i always think of my partner's grandmother yeah and watching her ride in her 90s and yep. and you could see immediately what she was perfectly capable and able to ride but just that graceful slow riding because your own condition yep. limits the way you can ride and that's what's i think yep. might be missing part, with the electric bikes uh, <laughs> <laughs> of course the other part of which we didn't talk about the other week 290,000 electric bikes sold in one year in the Netherlands. That's over a quarter of a million more people making a pledge that they're going to ride. Yeah. And I'm sure amongst that whole group of people, there are some people who probably haven't been on a bike since they were going to uni in The Hague or something like that. So it's a whole new population as well. There is There are other concerns that pop up in the Dutch news about that because one thing that you see is young kids being bought electric bikes. And yep. so there is a shift in people who traditionally in the Netherlands would have just ridden and like my partner, for instance, you just rode 10K to high school, yeah. which in the Netherlands was considered quite a long ride. Yep. Um, and there's a section of that part of the population who are moving onto electric bikes who rode standard bikes before. Yeah. So, and it's 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 quite complicated because there's also quite a move for a lot of kids, a lot more kids are getting driven to school and there's a lot of very complicated things going on there about why those two things happen. Yeah. And the other part of the uh, statistics that we didn't talk about, which probably... Bears mention, and I'll, I'll quote one of the um, uh, one of the statisticians or somebody from the Dutch um, Road Safety Research Foundation. We know that simple accidents, including fatalities, can often be attributed to bad road surface. We should not underestimate how many accidents happen among the elderly when getting on and off the bike. Such bikes, such a bicycle is heavier than a regular one. Mm. Sometimes the problem starts because some older people do not take into account that their own physical possibilities are reduced. What a lovely way to put it, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> your brain's writing checks your body can't keep. <laughs> I thought that lovely delicacy of just overestimating your possibilities is a wonderful way to put something. <laughs> uh, the joy of life. When does it ever end? A um, couple of quick news things. Um, oh, yeah. Um, uh, any electric bikes in the Giro? Do you reckon? <laughs> well, that's that's one part of it that I'm sure they haven't tested yet. Well, they have actually. There's been a bit of a. Anyway, 
no, there there aren't. I think they've got bigger things to worry about than that. They're up to stage eight in the uh, Giro back in Italy. Um, first time an Ecuadorian's won a um, stage, a world tour stage. It's um, Richard Carpaz uh, in a great solo breakaway. Rich, uh, Simon Yates still leads by about 16 seconds. And uh, the other thing to notice from this, um, it's always distressing when you see a cyclist um, not on top of their game. Chris Froome's fallen twice, once before the game and then had a nasty fall the other night as well, mm. which, um, I mean, if you're in your real top of your game, sometimes those things tend not to happen much. And also, you know, struggling on, I think, was the climb to Mount Etna didn't look good nah. and lost quite a bit of time. So... Um, I think we're up to – we've had stage nine yesterday. Oh, sorry, stage yeah, nine last night, yeah. sorry. So, um, uh, yesterday's news, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Never, ever. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Look, we can't br- I can't brush past this because the first three days of the Giro were in Israel, which is quite unusual for the Giro, first time the Giro's left Italy. And sometimes a lot of people have asked me, well, how come that happens? Well, like a lot of these things, you can pay for some things. So it's a combined effort between um, one person, Sylvan Adams, and the uh, Israeli Tourist Department. So they've spent probably about $15, $20 million getting those three days there. That's how it happens. Um, what are we going to do, the federal budget first or the state budget? <laughs> <laughs> well, they're both disappointing. <laughs> um, well, I guess... I was thinking, um, I've had a few people talking about how great it was that there was so much money in the Victorian state budget for cycling. Um, And I just wanted to open that discussion about the fact that every project that I think was mentioned was an old one. Yep. And money that was already promised and allocated two or three years ago. So it's not... uh, One thing... um, the only times we do hear the Andrews government talking about building bike paths seems to be when there's a big road built. Mm-hmm. And um, a lot of people don't realise that when you build, it's embedded in Victorian government policy, when you build a big new road in Victoria, you have to build an adjacent cycling and pedestrian path. It's uh, not something... You have any choice about which is why those are being built because they've pumped. how much money has gone into roads in the latest budget? Though? The last budget gives us a spending window of about thirty-two billion dollars on roads and infrastructure. Most of that is roads, yeah, um, and of course the metro Melbourne Metro is involved in that as well. Yeah, so of that, a tiny bit will be going to allocating a three-metre strip of bitumen adjacent to the road for yeah. pedestrians and cyclists to use. So um, it's great that we get them. They usually provide some big links, but they're rarely the nitty-gritty and the itsy-bitsy stuff that connects things up or gets no. kids to school or gets you to the shop safely. And, and it's certainly uh, not something that the current government's been committed to no. doing so much about. Of that $32 million... The highest Doring precinct in Victoria is St Kilda's Road. It has the highest hospitalisation rate of any bike path. Three councils all want 
a separated bike lane. We're spending $32 billion. You can't get a separated bike lane in the most accident-prone part of our bicycle network. Speaks volumes. Speaks volumes. There'll be none of that. (laughs) (laughs) Which we should touch on. Um, somebody asked me the other night, the night after the budget, oh, what do you think of the budget? I said, I've got to tell you, you wait two weeks until people start to really unpick it, then you will discover what it really is. I've already seen it described as switch and bait already in the last <laughs> couple of days, which is always quite fascinating. But just a couple of highlights out of it. Um, and, of course, budgets are always written over expectations or funding written over a certain period. So this is a... A 10-year spend, it's a $75 billion uh, spend on infrastructure over 10 years to improve safety and congestion. There are no plans for any of that money. That's the money. Now you come up with the plan. So, yes. <laughs> Transurban, there's another opening yep. for you there somewhere. <laughs> also into that budget is $154 million per year to promote more activity in Australia's population. None of it going to cycling, none of it going to transport cycling, all of it going to already highly regulated sport, advertising, spin masters. Love their work. (laughs) Well, and we do know it's that active transport that can make a difference. People can find time for sport, and that's great, but it's that stuff you build into your day Take out that hour yeah. drive and turn it into a 40-minute bicycle ride. Yeah. yeah. Um, and one last piece of news. Well, or, no, um, not yet. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to mention because we had these guys on as guests maybe four years ago, the um, Tula B24 or the Bright 24-hour mountain bike race uh, has been going for five years up in Bright. It was an awesome event. Um and unfortunately, uh, has will cease to run. It won't be running this year. Last year was it last year, and like a lot of these things, that it really depended on the vision, personal effort, and actually personal funding of a couple of really dedicated people, hundreds of amazing volunteers, a lot of families who poured huge amounts of time and effort into it each year to make it happen. And despite a long list of sponsors, um, not really able to get to a point where it was something that could be sustainable. So I think everyone will miss it. Yeah, and uh, I'm sure the township of Bright will miss it. And um, oh, it's a shame, actually. Things, yeah. We'll be back just after this little message. Well, if you listen to three, say, oh, clap your hands. If you listen to three, say, oh, clap your hands. If you listen to three, say, oh, I sure know where you are. If you listen to three, say, oh, clap your hands. If you listen to three, say, oh, clap your hands. If you listen to three, say, oh, clap your hands. We'll check out the happy vibe. We're going to ring up and subscribe. If you listen to three, say, oh, clap your hands.
clap your hands. Subscriber coming up June, first week of June. Now, for all those people who want to donate to 3CR because they're regular subscribers and they realise that Radiothon really kicks it off, there's nothing wrong with you actually donating before Radiothon starts. (laughs) We'll speak a bit further about that (laughs) as we approach. Um, We missed um, last month, 16th of April, was the 75th anniversary of um, Albert Hoffman's ride through the streets of Basel on his way home after trying to come up with... I've forgotten what the drug was meant to do. Anyway, he took too much, and, of course, his famous words for describing that first bicycle ride was that it was a bad trip. There we go, (laughs) 75 years further on. Basel is still the um, centre of um, pharmaceutical research in uh, Europe. Two two of the big trunk... Big big pharma come from there still. So that ended up being... That was LSD he took. It was too. Embraced by the CIA and many people afterwards, not just some <laughs> loony lefts. Now, that lovely quote that came from the start of the show was from Lilius Campbell Davison. As I said, who was born mid-19th century, but one of uh, the first women to found a uh, the Lady Cycling Association in about 1892. This was a time when there was a great pushback against women's cycling, either was it through their... Um, their change in clothing, which um, in a lot of ways demonised women who wore bloomers. And that's a great quote from um, somebody who was arguing um, that it allowed women to wear bloomers when they were riding bikes. And uh, her response was, I wear bloomers (laughs) because I can ride faster than people can talk which is a lovely <laughs> way of summing it up. Uh, we should, uh, you know, contextualise this. Um, Susan B. Anthony, of course, 1896, her great uh, quote about the emancipation, the bicycle has done more to, piss, more to em- emancipate the women and their anything else in the world. The other thing that was interesting is actually she was, of her time, she was one of the few people who never married, um, wrote 17 or 18 books in a lifestyle, a lot of them to do with cycling, um, but lived um, with two other women when it was considered that women shouldn't be living by themselves. It's a lovely little look back into a little bit of social activism at the turn of the century against impossible odds. And um, look, the New York Times are running a... Obituaries are always good to read because it's a great summation of some people. There are bad obituaries and not... They're running a deliberate program to write full-length obituaries for women over the last 120 years that they didn't write about when they died. So that's where that comes from. It'll be fascinating to catch up on. Um, We've got a few events coming up for those who are looking for something to do (laughs) now that Eurovision's finished. (laughs) Um, The uh, Curve Cycling are hosting uh, after the IP after the Indian Pacific Wheel Race evening, and that will be it at Curve in Abbotsford, and it's this Thursday, May the 17th. Kicks off at 6.30 and will go through. It uh, will include several riders who were rode this year's event, um, and there'll be a Q&A session with those and just a, 
a good get together to chat about the event, have a couple of beers, and yeah. uh, um, catch up uh, with everyone and relive your dot watching evenings. You got any handle on how many finished? How many wrote it in the end? I did, but I've wiped um, under fifty or from my mind. <laughs> Stored something else. Eurovision. In place. Eurovision. Eurovision. <laughs> Eurovision. <laughs> Jessica. Jessica. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> um, also coming up, I just wanted to give a shout out to WeCycle. I think we've mentioned them before, but um, they provide refurbished bicycles for refugees and others who are referred to them. They're at Batman Park in Northcote and they're open every Saturday from 10 to 3. So you can rock up and work on some of the bikes with them. Lend a hand, drop off your own old bike you no longer need. Um or work on the bikes there and uh, help prepare them for a new owner. It's also, um, they have held rides and sessions training like mechanics. Where's Batman Park in North Korea? Corner of Arthurton Road and St George's Road. Ah, uh, gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's a little, quite close to St George's Road, there's a little yellow brick house. Oh, yeah. And that's um, where they're located. Right. So yeah. 10 till 3 on Saturdays. Go and say hello. and All powered to their own, taking a little bit of the slack off series. Yeah. yeah. Got to be good for it. Also coming up soon on the 26th of May, uh, Commuter Cycles have got their annual garage sale. So this... This I'm hearing for the first time. <laughs> <laughs> And this is an awesome sale because they clear out uh, old or slow-moving stock, discontinued and superseded lines. There's often a couple of really cool bikes and some other nice bits and pieces. So uh, you need to get there early. You can't reserve anything ahead of time. It's 26th of May, 10 a.m. till 4 at uh, Commuter Cycles in Prentice Street in Brunswick. Two weeks away. Yes. A bit of work to do. A bit of work to do, Val. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> and uh, I'll just mention once again, if you missed out on the early bird pricing for this year's Melbourne Roubaix, you oh, are yes. going to have to just cough up the extra five bucks. Yep. Um, but it's probably that time to start putting together your team and buying your tickets that will be held on Sunday the 24th of June. It's kicking off from um, as yet to be disclosed location. Another secret spot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, always a good day out, Melbourne Roubaix. Yep. Good. If you haven't seen some of the um, bumpier parts of Melbourne, there's a chance to <laughs> climb a few hills, um, get over the other side of Moody Ponds Creek, which is always a hoot for some people. No. <laughs> and Andy must be going, yeah. 13? 13, yep. I reckon, I think. I was trying to work it out yep. this morning. I think it's, it's good work. Yeah. Look, I'm, I'm going to share with you one more quote from Lily, especially because <laughs> she's like a lot of cyclists. She can slag off at other cyclists just <laughs> as well. Every woman should look upon herself as, in certain measure, an advocate, so to speak, of the pastime among the members of her own sex. If she rides in a slovenly, awkward style and sits her saddle ungracefully, if she dashes frantically along, hot, dusty and purple of visage, she 
she will surely not win many recruits to the paths of cycling, but frighten them instead from doing as she has done. Great work. Yeah, great work. (laughs) (laughs) Somebody's on the bike. Don't slag off at what they're doing. Tell the way they're riding. Don't tell somebody their seat's too low. Don't tell somebody that their tyres need pumped up. Don't tell somebody they should bend their elbows. I come together with my bike in my own special way. (laughs) Uh, The joy. And that's all we have time for today. That went past pretty quickly. Um, As you know, the Aerobug Radio Show and 3CR rely on the support of our listeners to stay on the air. So you can donate at 3cr.org.au or give us a call at 94198377. Coming up next is... Um, No, sorry. Coming up next on 3CR is Jailbreak. But we can't say what we've seen. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.